A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitani Wajim Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim We shall inshallah continue simultaneous English translation of the Friday sermon by Amirul Mu'minin Hadrat Khalifatul Masih the 4th delivered at Nasir Bagh Frankfurt Germany on 10th of May 1991 ശ്രീകലഹൂല آج کا یہ خطبہ میں ناصر باغ فرینکفرٹ جرمنی سے دے رہا ہوں حضور سیز I am delivering this sermon in Nasirbagh, Frankfurt, Germany, where I have come to attend the annual gathering of Khudamul Ahmadiyya. Since the sermon is now heard live in various countries, therefore I am making these introductory remarks for their sake. Beside Tokyo, Sweden, Norway, Mauritius and United Kingdom, this sermon is being heard directly in two other places in Germany. The number of Jamaats in UK who hear this sermon live are also increasing. There are seven cities in United Kingdom who are listening directly to this voice. Before taking up the continuing subject of the sermon and discuss the prayers of the Holy Quran, I want to make an announcement regarding this gathering of Khudamul Ahmadiyya. the Majlis-e-Amila, the Executive Committee of Khuddam-ul-Ahmadiyya, Germany, had proposed that since the needs of Khuddam-ul-Ahmadiyya, Germany, have increased greatly, they need to build a guest house. For this, they sought my permission and put a rough plan before me. I have given permission for it in principle, and we hope that, inshallah, that guest house will be completed in three years. But the first stage is to find suitable land for it. As far as the contributions are concerned, 
I have given permission to Majlis Khuddamul Ahmadiyya Germany to collect money for the guest house with the condition that no member should have the excuse that my other contributions to the Jamaat have been affected because of this contribution. Therefore, all members of Khuddamul Ahmadiyya organization who want to take part in this contribution, they will participate with this condition that whatever financial help they offer for building Khuddamul Ahmadiyya Hall, they should not use it as an excuse to reduce their contributions of the Jamaat. May Allah enable you to do so. This announcement was necessary because without the permission of Khalifatul Masih, no one is allowed to collect any kind of contribution. Khuddamul Ahmadiyya and other auxiliary organizations are bound by this rule and should always strictly adhere to it that whatever exceptional contributions they want to ask from the Jamaat, they should first obtain official permission for it from the Jamaat. Now I will turn to the continuing subject. The prayer which the chapter Al-Fatiha has taught us that, O God, does to the right path, which is a path of those on whom you bestowed your blessings. In this regard, those who walk on the path of blessings or those travelers in the path of Allah who were included among those on whom Allah bestowed his blessings. We find their mention in the Holy Quran in various forms and their prayers have also been preserved. In connection with those prayers, one prayer was missed which should have mentioned earlier. Therefore, I will start the subject today with that prayer and since some prayers after that have been mentioned in the last sermon, it will not be necessary to repeat them. So after mentioning the prayer which I had missed, the subject will start again with the prayer of Hazrat Job. That prayer was taught by Allah to His Holiness Muhammad Mustafa, may peace and blessings upon him. The prayer is, Chapter 17, Al-Asra, verse 81. That, O my Lord, enter me with truth, that is, my step should be on truth and I should enter with truth. And similarly, by putting up on truth, or with the step of truth, I should come out of this stage. And from yourself, grant me such a helper who should have prevailing power. This is the chapter which was revealed before migration. Although there is a difference of opinion about this, but the Orientalist scholars who differ with the Muslims, in their opinion also, this chapter revealed before 12 Hegra. But some commentators say it was revealed much earlier. Anyway, this is a chapter revealed before migration, and it is established about this verse that it was revealed before migration. Therefore, in this prayer, Migration had been prophesied.
but the subject matter of this verse is not limited to migration as i will explain it has much wider meaning the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him lived for 13 years in mecca and bore all kind of suffering and then towards the end of the 13th year more or less at this time he migrated to madina this prayer was telling him that o muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him you will have to leave this city and will have to re-enter this city once again your departing will be with truth and your re-entry in this city will also be with truth here the order of departing and entry has been changed the re-entry is mentioned first and the departing is mentioned later it says o muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him as though he is being taught the prayer that you should say this prayer rabbi adkhilni mudkhala sidqi oh my lord make my entry with truth wa akhrijni mukhraja sidqi and enable me to depart with truth but he had to leave mecca first why did it mention entry first in this the wisdom is that allah did not want to let the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him suffer for a moment that as though i will leave mecca and then i may or may not come back therefore the re-entry has been made more definite and more certain and has been stated first as this verse was revealed before his departing the holy prophet and blessings of allah be upon him was given this news that he will certainly re-enter the city therefore as far as departing is concerned there is no need to worry and be grieved the other wisdom in this was that the condition in which he was being forced out of mecca the enemy was saying that it was not a condition of truth that he was not being exiled in the condition of truth the enemy was calling him false liar fabricator and was calling him many kind of other names and was saying that he is a liar and has fabricated everything about god but madina which welcomed him welcomed him with truth and welcomed him bearing witness to his truth so the meaning of with reference to madina be that o muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him now you are about to enter that city which will be a witness to your truth and will accept you with truth and then when you will leave it you will leave with truth and will re-enter in this city once again and since the subject of re-entry has been stated first therefore the subject of will apply to the conquest of mecca and the meaning will be that when you will re-enter the city once again each and every particle of this city each and every brick of this city and the whole atmosphere will bear witness that it is the truthful man who has returned to his city and as it was a prophecy therefore as a result of its becoming true 
the truth of the Holy Prophet was to have become obvious and established in Mecca. Means that for me, from yourself, grant such helpers, Ansar, to whom you should grant power and victory, and their help should be of benefit. There should not be any weak helper, but should be prevailing and powerful helper. So this prayer was also accepted in exactly the same way as it was taught in the form of the Ansar of Medina. And the Ansar of Medina were enabled to help him most successfully. And whatever help Ansar gave, although apparently it is from the Ansar, but the word Milladunka has told us that the help of the Ansar was Allah's sanction and is from Allah. Without it, that help has no value. So although the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and his migrant companions were going to become indebted to the Ansar, but by putting the word Min Ladunka from yourself has given us this glad tiding that they will help you as a result of your prayer. Their hearts will be changed. They will be given capacity. Therefore, you must not think that you are being indebted to someone else's favor, but as a result of this prayer, this help will be exclusively from Allah. The other connection of this prayer is with the usual day-to-day -day journeys, and we learn from the Holy Quran that the Quranic prayers have wide meaning and can be applied on various situations and do continue to apply. Therefore, whatever prayers of the Holy were connected with special situations, His Holiness Muhammad Mustafa, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and his companions used to apply them on somewhat other similar situations also, and used to benefit from them. So in our daily journeys, this prayer is most useful. I have myself experienced this, and have witnessed the good effect of this prayer in the most amazing way. Once I thought to address the Jamaat exclusively on this subject, that as a result of this prayer, the amazing ease which one gets during one's journeys are not because of accidental events, but such a succession of divine help starts that even a man of ordinary intelligence cannot fail to realize that in this there is a concealed hand of help. But since in this continuing subject there is no room to tackle another lengthy subject, therefore I will inshallah put it before you sometimes in the future. Another important meaning of this prayer is connected with man's stations. Man continuously changes his situations. He comes out of one condition and enters another condition. This state can move from bad to good, or it can move from good to bad. That is, the change of this condition can be good to bad, or from bad to good. So, where Allah taught this prayer, He has explained the word Siddh at the same time, that you should say this prayer, that, O oh Allah, whenever my condition changes, it should change with the truth. The subject being discussed before this verse is, 
the subject of the high station of the Holy Prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The previous verse tells us that Allah gave this advice to the Holy Prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَتَحَجَّدْ بِهِ نَافِلَةَ اللَّكَ أَسَاءً يَبَثَكَ رَبُّكَ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا that, O oh my servant, you should wake up at night and offer the supererogatory prayer of the Hajjud and should make effort in the way of Allah. As a result of this, it is not at all unlikely, rather it will be in the near future, that you will be granted Muqame Mahmud, praiseworthy station. By making Muqame Mahmud an indefinite noun, it has indicated the great height of the station. So immediately after this glad tiding, that Allah is going to grant you a great station and position, Allah taught this prayer. That, O oh Allah, the station to which you want to raise me, the station, the appointment on which you have already decreed. Please enter me in that station with truth. And please do not let me remain stationary on that position, but should lead me by the hand to still higher stations and take me there with truth. Here the word Sidq has negated any fall, because at times a man, despite attaining a high station, cannot retain that position, and the Holy Quran has given the example of Balam bin Baura, that Allah had given him such capacities that if he wished, that is, if he remained steadfast on good deeds, and to seek heights towards Allah, then as a result of the capacities which had been granted to him, Allah could have granted him a high station. But that unfortunate fellow was inclined once again to the earth. So his exit from the high station cannot be called because instead of truth he stepped out with the step of untruth. So the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was taught this perfect prayer that your entry should be with truth and your departing should be with truth. That is, you must not fall, but your step should always advance towards higher stations. There is another meaning of Siddh here, which all the believers should always keep in view. Often a man desires high stations, and their selfishness also finds his way, and pretense also finds his way, and the man desires that I should be counted among the pious, and my station should rise in the eyes of the world. I should attain Muhammad Mahmud, that is, I should attain a praiseworthy station in the eyes of the world. Such people may have experiences which are somewhat similar to the spiritual experiences, and they think that we have become dear to God, where are not spiritual experiences, but are satanic experiences. Therefore, everyone who wants to fly high and wants to attain proximity to Allah, he should say this prayer regularly and diving deep into its meaning. Otherwise, his step 
will not remain on truth. So, means that, O oh Allah, whatever high station you may grant me, it must be with truth, in that my selfish desire should play no part, in that my lies should not be involved. It should exclusively be a step of truth which should advance towards progress, and it should always be granted your pleasure. Similarly, if I am taken out of that station and taken towards a higher station, even then my lower desires should play no part in it, and for better and higher aims I should step ahead seeking help from you alone. So this prayer is perfect and comprehensive prayer with deep meanings and applies to various stages and situations of life. And as I have said, beside the day-to-day -day journeys, it fits on all journeys in the world, whether they are physical journeys or spiritual journeys. So in the affairs of the world, when a man has employment, for instance, and is given promotion, this prayer can be of benefit. Otherwise, some people are promoted, but then they are thrown out in disgrace. So before gaining promotion, if they have made this prayer a charm of life, and they continue to pay attention to it, then whatever situation they will face in life, in which one condition changes into another condition, this prayer will be useful for them. A few prayers which have been mentioned after this, I have already explained. And now I will turn to that prayer of Hazrat Job, which is mentioned in chapter 21, Al-Anbiya, verse 84. Recall the time when Hazrat Job called on his Lord with pain, that, O oh Allah, extreme distress has afflicted me, and I know that you are the most merciful of all those who show mercy. In this connection, I will briefly mention the incident which Hazrat Job had faced, and I will also introduce him to you, because many of the people know very little about Hazrat Job. Hazrat Job was born around 1500 years before Hazrat Jesus, peace and blessings of Allah be upon both. They talk of 1550 and 204 Hazrat Moses, peace be upon him. There are differences regarding his person. To some he was an Israelite prophet, and to some others he was a prophet from outside the Israelites, who has been mentioned there. The Muslim commentators have stated that he was born in the region of Syria. Bible has mentioned the place but I have not been able to find of which region is the city which he had belonged to. Perhaps the word is Moose, about which I have not been able to ascertain as to which area it is claimed to belong. Anyway, as far as the reports of the Bibles are concerned, their summary is that Allah had granted many blessings to Hazrat Job, worldly wealth, flocks of sheep and herds of cattle, and all kinds of animals, wife and children. Allah had given him great prosperity 
and he was one of the richest people in the area. He was very generous and served the people. Satan felt jealous and said to Allah that you are proud of your servant Job, that he worships you greatly, and despite all these blessings he remembers you. But if you put him to trial, only then you will know his true condition. For instance, destroy all his possessions. Then I will see how will he remain your servant. At this Allah said to Satan that, Okay, I give you control over his possessions. So all the possessions of Hazrat Job were destroyed. Then Satan taunted of his children that he has good family. People do not care about their flood, but they cannot bear the loss of children. So Allah exiled his children and then caused them to die, and thus his children were lost. Then Satan said that I should be given authority over his body. Allah said, Okay, if you want to try him of his ill health, go ahead and do that. His body was then so diseased that according to the narration of the Bible, his body developing source, and it, and it was a most horrible disease which the people hated and ran away to avoid it. His body had developed worms and people threw him out of the city. Even then Hazrat Job remained steadfast and grateful to Allah and there was no reduction in his faithfulness. Satan then said to God that his wife still supports him and is faithful to him he should receive some distress from his wife also. About his wife it is said that Satan thought that I had misled Eve, similarly I should mislead his wife, so that she too should leave him. Then I will see whether he loses his patience or not. So Satan said to his wife that if you sacrifice this calf or some other animal in my name, your husband will be cured. So he gave her the teaching of idolatry. His wife was quite prepared to do this, and so she mentioned it to Hazrat Job and said that you should forsake God, how long will you show patience? You should pray for your death and seek deliverance from this affliction. Hazrat Job was displeased with her and resolved that if I will be cured, I will punish her with a hundred lashes because of her involvement in idolatry. That is, as a punishment, I will hit her with a hundred lashes. At this his wife him, and so he was left alone. Even then Hazrat Job remained steadfast. Allah then told him that you have come through the periods of your trial successfully, and whatever loss you had suffered, it will be made good and now you will be returned to your original prosperity, rather will be returned to better prosperity. Then his wife returned, and his children came back, and those who had thrown him of the city, they felt shame. And the end of the story was that Hazrat Job had recovered his health again, and recovered his old glory and honor, and everyone who had left him and had become displeased returned to him. This is the summary of this narration, and the commentators have narrated somewhat similar story with a few changes. The Bible also states that Satan accompanied the angels to the divine court, and pretending an angel, he talked with God, 
and all this story was the result. The commentators have not accepted it and have given it a new color that in the time of Hazrat Job sometimes Satan used to hear the talk between the angels and the prophets and used to set up observation posts to hear their talk. Once the angels and Hazrat Job were having a talk and the angels were praising him much, they submitted to God that see how steadfast and grateful is this servant, how many blessings he has and despite that he worships you. From this Satan found out what was going on and so he started this mischief. Hazrat Muslim Aud has mentioned in tafsir e kabir that a somewhat similar incident is narrated of Harish Chandra, a Hindu pious leader. It is taught him that he had received blessings from God in the same way as is mentioned about Hazrat Job. But there, instead of Satan, it was their demigods who felt jealous. Hazrat Muslim Aud has not given the details, but I have seen those narrations from historical references. We find various narrations about Harish Chandra, but the summary is that the demigods felt jealous and they said to God, that is the chief God according to the Hindu mythology, that give us, we will put him to trial. So one demigod went to Harish Chandra in human form and said to Harish Chandra that we have heard that you are a very generous Lord. Would you accept my prayer? He said, yes, whatever you will ask, I will grant you. About Harish Chandra, it was well known that he was man of his word. And when he gave his word, there was never a question of his going back on his word. So after receiving his solemn word, he said that give me everything that you possess, all your property, possessions, wealth, your house and whatever belongs to you, give it to me. And Harish Chandra gave him everything. At this the demigod said, you haven't given me everything, you still have your wife, children and your own self and your body, what about them? So it was decided that he should sell them and a Shudra, which according to the Hindu custom is the lowest caste, bought them. And then the time of hard life started. He suffered much and faced problems. So it is somewhat similar story. Hazrat Muslim Aud is inclined to think that since the period is the same, it is not unlikely that Hazrat Job was an Indian prophet. And as I have already mentioned, that according to some scholars, he was not an Israelite prophet. And it is possible that the news of this Indian prophet had reached there, and they might have included it in the Bible. With this background, I will now put that prayer of the Holy Quran before you, which Allah had taught Hazrat Job. It was... This prayer ends on Arhamur Rahimi, that you are most merciful of all who show mercy. We find the details of the condition of Hazrat Job in the Holy Quran, but whatever indications there are, they show that he suffered much distress and his body was afflicted with many diseases till at last he had to leave his country. Although we don't find all the details, 
but some incidents as has been narrated did happen till at last everyone left him arhamur rahimi means that o lord my condition is such that people there can be who show mercy have turned away from me my wife has gone my children have gone my fellow citizens have deserted me and those who have believed in me have also withdrawn now i am leaving my country alone tell me what should i do but despite all this i do not lose hope as you are most merciful of all who show mercy the one on whom no one shows mercy you have mercy on him also about this prayer allah says fastajabna lahu fakashafna ma bihi min durrin wa'atainahu ahlahu wa mithlahu that we heard this painful supplication and we accepted it fakashafna ma bihi min durrin we resolved and changed all that distress which he was suffering wa'atainahu ahlahu wa mithlahu we restored his family to him and gave him many other similar homes who considered themselves as the member of his family that is he gave him families who loved him so much that they could have been counted separate from the members of his own family as sometimes in family contacts some families develop such strong love they have such close relationship that they appear to be the members of the same family so in this glad tiding has been given that you had lost one home we will grant you many other homes rahmatam min indena will exclusively be as mercy from us wa zikra lil abidin and for those who worship allah this will always be an admonition that whatever trials are faced one should never lose hope if with patience being established firmly on worship you will bow only to god then allah with his grace will remove your distress and will change every pain into pleasure another prayer which is mentioned next is the prayer of hazrat jona peace be on him it is ye hai wazannune izhaba muwadiban fazanna allan naqdir alayhi and recall the condition of zulnun izhaba mughadiban when with heavy heart his heart was displeased and felt tight he was leaving his place to go somewhere else fazanna allan naqdir alayhi he thought as though we will not overwhelm him or will not issue judgment against him naqdira alayhi also means to give a verdict against someone and another meaning is to prevail over someone so both these meanings apply to extent to this situation fanada fi zulumati then he prayed in darkness Allah ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu minal zalimin that oh my god there is none worthy of worship beside you subhanaka you are holy 
I have indeed been of the wrongdoers. I admit my error. It is only you who can, so please free me of this condition of doing wrong. In answer, Allah says, Then we heard his prayer and delivered him from his extreme grief. And thus do we reward the believers. About Hazrat Guna also, there are differences in the history, and it is necessary that a few words should be said about his background. The incidents which the Bible has narrated about Hazrat Jonah are different from those mentioned in the Holy Quran, and its order is also changed. According to the statement of the Bible, the incident of Hazrat Jonah happened in Yaffa, which is a part of the west coast of Palestine. It is said that he had caught that boat from Yaffa, from which eventually thrown out. This Yaffa as the crow flies, is over 500 miles away from Nanwa, which is said to be the town of Hazrat Jonah. Generally, the commentators think that Nanwa was that town where Hazrat Jonah was sent. It is in Mosul, which these days is the area of the Kurds in the north of Iraq. At the time of this incident, Assyrians were ruling there. The time of Hazrat Jonah is said to be 800 BC. But now I will tell you briefly what the Bible says about this and then I will turn to the Holy Quran and tell you what the Holy Quran says about this. According to the Bible, Hazrat Jonah or Yuna, and there is a book of that name in the Bible, was commanded by God that you should go to the city of Nanva and warn its people that if they will not repent, they will be destroyed. Instead of going to Nanva, Hazrat Jonah went to Yaffa and caught that boat from which he was thrown out after casting lots, and a fish swallowed him. Firstly, it is not conceivable, that is, a believer who has studied the Holy Quran and has learnt the greatness of the prophets from the Holy Quran cannot for a moment think that God should command a prophet to go to a place in the easterly direction, but he should turn his back and go to the west, and rejecting the command, he should prepare to journey to another place. It is against the station of prophethood, and it is never possible that a prophet should reject Allah's command openly in this way. Secondly, this was the time when Assyrian had established a strong rule in the northern part of Iraq. It was when the Assyrian had first attacked it and had destroyed the rule of Bani Israel. Therefore, it looks impossible from the historical point of view that at the time Allah should command someone living in Palestine that you should cover this distance and go to Nanwa and warn them. 500 miles was the distance in a straight line, but the actual distance one had to travel was much longer. Therefore, this is not conceivable. Secondly, about the city of Nanva, during that time, there has been no evidence that any prophet had proclaimed the message, and as a result, the whole city had disbelieved him. But the story of the Bible is unacceptable in many ways. 
furthermore the order of the incidents which the bible has mentioned is very strange according to the bible hazrat jona rejecting allah's command instead of going to nanwa caught a boat in yafa and headed to another place there was a storm in the sea and as the boat was about to sink people said there is some sinful man among us because of whom allah's torment is going to descend on us that hazrat jona confessed that i am that person because of whom you are all facing this calamity therefore it is better that you throw me out of this boat so he was thrown out of the boat a big fish swallowed him and according to the statement of the bible he stayed in the belly of the fish continuously for 3 days and 3 nights then the fish vomited him out in some place from where he went back to nanwa and this way eventually he fulfilled allah's command after reaching nanwa he did not repent truly as he was given the message to the people of nanwa he also said i know that these people will repent and allah will forgive them and i will suffer disgrace unnecessarily so when allah did not destroy nanwa because the people of nanwa had repented then becoming angry with god hazrat jona went to the jungle there according to the statement of the bible allah caused a creeping plant to grow under whose shade he sought protection but then allah sent a worm who ate its root and the plant became hollow and fell to the ground then hazrat jona complained yet again that why has this happened there was a little shade and i have become deprived even of that then allah addressed him and said you had not planted it and at the dying of this single plant you feel so much sorrow in whose planting you had made no effort and you expect from me that over a hundred thousand people who i had created destroy them in no time then hazrat jona understood the point the holy quran gives an entirely different narration firstly there is no mention in the holy quran of nanwa city and the commentators have made a guess after reading the bible that the city must be of nanwa some think that as it says here zunun it means a man of nanwa city whereas means fish and he has also been called therefore the first thing is that there is no mention of nanwa another important thing is that if he was to leave nanwa after becoming angry then why should he go 7 or 800 miles away and catch a boat at the port of yafa nearby was the river tigris that is the city of nanwa is situated on a bank of river tigris he could have caught a boat there to go where wanted therefore this also is not conceivable so compared to the bible firstly the holy quran has not mentioned that city and secondly the incident it has narrated is very intelligible and consistent and there is no room in it for any kind of objection the holy quran has not said anything about his staying in the belly of the fish for 3 days and 3 nights it does say that the fish swallowed him and says that in the time of distress and suffering he said this prayer and at the same time it tells us 
that the fish vomited him out. But nowhere does it mention that he stayed in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Therefore, it is more conceivable that he stayed there for a short time. The need to explain this arose especially because generally when the Ahmadis hold discussions with Christians, then referring to this incident, they say, that as Jonah stayed in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights and remained alive and came out alive, similarly Hazrat Jesus, peace be on him, after three days trial in which he spent a few hours nailed to the cross and the rest of the time he stayed in the tomb and he came out alive from there. Therefore, I want to tell you that whatever the Holy Quran has not mentioned, it is not without wisdom. The mention of the three days in the Bible is certainly wrong because according to the law of nature nothing can live on for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. In that duration all kind of flesh. The need to explain this arose especially because generally when the Ahmadis hold discussions with Christians then referring to this incident they say that as Jonah stayed in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights and remained alive, came out alive. Similarly, Hazrat Jesus, peace be on him, after three days trial in which he spent a few hours nailed to the cross and the rest of the time he stayed in the tomb and he came out alive from there. Therefore, I want to tell you that whatever the Holy Quran has not mentioned, it is not without wisdom. The mention of the three days in the Bible is certainly wrong because according to the law of nature nothing can live on for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. In that duration all kind of flesh decays and dissolves and only the skeleton of bones remains. Beside this there can be suffocation and other acidic influences and so it is unthinkable so when the Holy Quran has not mentioned three days, it is not without wisdom. It looks that the fish swallowed him and in that state Hazrat Jonah said this involuntary prayer that, O Allah, what are these darknesses in which I have become caught? These are my own darknesses, darknesses of my own sins. And now I supplicate to you that please forgive me I admit my guilt. Then according to the statement of the Holy Quran, it looks immediately the fish felt sick and vomited Hazrat Jonah out. It must have taken this much time which takes from the shallow water where such big fish comes to reach the shore as Jonah was vomited out on the shore. There he put a few days in the shade of a creeping plant and ate its fruit which cured him and gave energy and then with the grace of Allah after migration he started his mission of prophethood. So the summary according to the Holy Quran is that Hazrat Jonah went with the message of Allah to Nineveh or some other city to which he was appointed and the people of the city rejected the message. Then Allah informed him that if this city did not repent and did not ask forgiveness, then in a certain period it will be destroyed. As we learn from the history of other prophets, after this news, 
Hazrat Jonah, peace be on him, migrated from there and stopped at another place not very far off and continued to ask the travellers about the situation of that city till the appointed time had passed. Hazrat Jonah did not know that during this time not only did the city repent but supplicated so painfully to God to, to forgive their sins that Arhamur Rahimin God does not reject such supplication. It is narrated, it is not a narration of the Holy Quran but of Bible and other reports that when Hazrat Jonah left the people of the city thought that we have been wrong he was a pious man of God his words will certainly fulfill therefore there is only one way of salvation that we should all leave the city and go in a field weep and do painful supplication to God to increase the pain of supplication and to develop moving feelings in the hearts they made a plan that mothers did not suckle their babies and they kept the lambs away from their mothers with the crying of the babies and of the young of the animals who were kept hungry and thirsty there was much lamentation and commotion and there was such moving scene that the whole field in which around hundred thousand people of the city the old and the young were assembled presented a scene of resurrection people wept and shed as animals toss and turn when they sacrificed so Allah showed mercy on their condition and Allah put off his promise the Holy Quran says if only the other people who were warned by the prophets of God were like the people of Jonah and wept and cried then we would have forgiven them also and their beneficial stay in the world would have been extended that is their good condition would have been extended and Allah's punishment would not have them. so this is what happened and since Hazrat Jonah was unaware of it when the appointed time had passed Hazrat Jonah asked a villager who had come from the city that tell me what is the news of that city he said it is fine people still live there at this Hazrat Jonah felt grieved he thought that Allah had given them this warning through me that you will be destroyed but he has not carried it out so with shame he did not go to the city the Holy Quran narrates the incidents which happened afterwards in a very subtle way it says you must remember that Jonah was one of the prophets with this testimony the story starts which means that you must not say such a thing about Hazrat Jonah which is against the honor of a prophet you must not think that Allah commanded him to go to a certain place and rejecting this command and somewhere else he was a prophet in any case at times the prophet can show some negligence an ordinary man can show hundred times more negligence but he is not punished because in view of his level it is not a sin but the higher the station the more prominent a blemish appears and an ordinary blemish appears big on white clothes so this is the subject which the Holy Quran is pointing out that Jonah in any case was one of the prophets 
and was of the chosen people of God whom Allah had sent as his messenger. Therefore, whatever mistake he made, he will still remain among the prophets. And it is the duty of the listeners that they should not ignore the demands of respect. When he ran and caught a boat full of passengers. Abaka means that as you see a train moving and catch the train, or the sign of the departure of a boat has already been sounded and it is about to sail, then you run fast in case you miss it. So it says, that boat was already boarded and was moving, and as Hazrat Jonah saw it, he ran and caught it. Hazrat Jonah cast lots. There is no mention about confession, that he confessed his sins before them. It looks the boat had rocked, it was already full, there was storm, and people were frightened. So they decided that we should cast lots. We cannot say it was a ship. It might have been called a ship during those days, but it was an ordinary boat. Otherwise, throwing out of one man does not make much difference to a ship. It was not a very big boat. It was of the size that if one man is thrown out, there may be a chance of its saving from sinking. There can be chances of its safety. It is the glory of Allah that they ask Jonah to cast lots. And in this there is also a wisdom that as there were many other passengers who had boarded the boat, and since Hazrat Jonah had come last, therefore if someone also had drawn the lot, Hazrat Jonah might have entertained the doubt that they had decided to throw me out, and so they have coined this excuse. Therefore, to tell Hazrat Jonah that it is my desire which is at work and no human conspiracies is involved in this, Allah so arranged that the people in the boat said to Hazrat Jonah that you should cast lots. When Hazrat Jonah cast lots, his own name was drawn and he was thrown into the sea. The fish swallowed him in such a state that that he was blaming his own self or that he was Chapter 37 As-Safat Verse 144 If it had so happened that previously he was not one of those who praise Allah then Jonah would have remained in the belly of the fish till the day when the people will be raised again on the day of resurrection. If you reflect a little more on these verses, you will find that there is a very subtle mention of the incidents which Hazrat Jonah had faced. And Allah has told us in these verses that when Allah teaches his servants some lessons, then he teaches them with reference to the mistakes which they have committed. Now you recall that Hazrat Jonah had left a populated city which because of their sins needed to be reformed and Allah's decree had decided it was only Hazrat Jonah such a man 
who deserved to be saved, leaving a populated city to be a target of destruction, according to the revelation of God, Hazrat Jonah left that city, and since after that he made a mistake, and a thought came to his mind that maybe Allah will not decide against me. Since he was one of the prophets, therefore we will not entertain this mistrust that he thought that Allah could not catch up with me. I have reflected, I feel it is not a right translation here, and it is a very subtle thing which has been stated here. It is that Hazrat Jonah must have thought that a God who despite the sins of hundred thousand people, which were most extreme sins, and despite his decision that I will destroy them, forgave them, then how will he punish me? In that case I am counted among the pious people, I am one of his prophets, and so he will treat me with more mercy. Therefore, the meaning of this verse is that Allah will not give a verdict against me, a God who is so merciful to do anything against me. But he forgot that everyone is treated according to his situation and his capacity. There are high expectations from the pious people of God. So Allah had to teach Hazrat Jonah that whenever Allah wills, he can entirely reverse the situation. Let us now turn to the boat. It was a fully laden boat, and beside Hazrat Jonah there were all sinful people. Allah apparently saved all those sinful people, and one who was the most innocent, he let him be thrown out of the boat for his destruction. Whatever incident had happened in that city, this was entirely opposite. There, Hazrat Jonah was leaving a fully populated city, which Allah's decree had decided to destroy, and this was the only innocent man who was given the news of escape. While the situation in the boat was that it was full of sinful, and Allah's decree was saying that I forgive all these people, but this pious man should be thrown out of it, who has entertained mistrust about me, and he should be thrown in the mouth of destruction. So a fish swallowed him. There to pray in the pitch darkness, and the use of the word Zolomath also shows that it was prayer taught by God. It is a revelation so full of eloquence and rhetoric. Fanada fi Zolomate. Chapter 21, Al-Anbiya, verse 88 He had committed one action of darkness. All his life was spent in light, and he passed through a slight shadow of darkness that he entertained mistrust on Allah. As a result of that, he was surrounded by darkness. In the midst of many kind of darknesses, he made this involuntary prayer. O Allah, there is none worthy of worship beside you. You are extremely holy. I have indeed been of the wrongdoers. The word Zolomath and Zulm have the same root. 
have a common meaning. Zul means sin and also darkness. So as a result of this prayer, Allah saved him again and said, Then I forgave Hazrat Jonah. It was because all his life passed in the remembrance and praise of Allah. Thus Allah always keeps in view the past good deeds of his servants, even though a grave mistake has been committed. Whatever expectation Allah has against that, sometimes such a mistake is made by a man because of which as though all his past actions are considered darkened. But Allah says that we do not forget the good deeds of the pious people in such a way. He always used to pass his time in the remembrance and praise of Allah. In this there is an admonition for us that if we were to pray at the time that, O oh Allah, we have made a mistake, deliver us of this sin and deliver us from darkness. And if before that time we did not remember and praise Allah, then our prayers will not have the power of acceptance. Therefore, we should always remain in the state of remembrance and praise of God. We should remember and praise Allah when we are not asking Him for something. We have not gone to His door to beg something, but in His love, in His remembrance, and with affection for Him. We are singing His praises and are recalling His attributes. In such a state, whenever we will face difficulty, then remembering our earlier praise, Allah will forgive us, even if we had committed a major sin. So those who sometimes write to me that we were surrounded by difficulty and we supplicated much and did much shouting and cried and bewailed, but our prayer was not granted. For them there is admonition in this. It looks that earlier in life they have remained neglect of Allah. Allah granted them blessings, but they were unable to remember Allah. They only remembered Him when they were in need. So, when one has need, the remembrance at that time has no reality and has no value. By the way, I should remind you here that about those three days, you must not debate that for certain he remained in the belly of the fish for three days. We can say he was in a dangerous state. For th It looks that the incident mentioned in the Bible was not very clear to those who wrote it. It is possible that Allah had revealed to some pious man or the story of a foreign prophet had reached them and they might have made a mistake in that. There might have been a mention of the serious condition of three days for which it was assumed that he might have lived three days in the belly of the fish. It is a similar case as one suffers heart attack. Sometimes one is kept for three days in intensive care that is in such a condition when a struggle between life and death continues. So a condition in which death seems to be winning, we call it a serious state. The disease continues even after that, but in that later condition the possibilities of the triumph of health are increased. Thus Hazrat Jesus, peace be on him, 
also after remaining a few hours on the cross continued to be in a similar state for two to two and a half days as though he was in agony of death. He had suffered very deep wounds and it looks as though he was on his last breath and it could not be said for certain that he would live. So in this way he had a three-day similarity with Hazrat Jonah that even if the fish had kept him in her belly for one or two moments or for a few minutes but when he vomited out he had sustained such deep wounds and suffered so much harm that for three days after that he remained in a state of agony of death. If Allah had not allowed a creeping plant to grow and shelter him and did not put healing property in that plant there were no obvious chances of his survival. Allah saves one even in this condition. So whereas there are some lessons of taking of care we have also been reminded of Allah's limitless grace that Allah can save even in such a condition when apparently there are no chances of survival. Now after mentioning the prayer of Hazrat Zakaraya I will end this sermon. One prayer of Hazrat Zakaraya has already passed and the prayer of Hazrat Zakaraya which the Holy Quran has put before us in other words is Chapter 21 Al-Anbiya verse 90 that call to mind Zakariah is Nadarabahu when he called to his Lord and submitted that, O oh my Lord, do not leave me alone. And you are the best of inheritors. If anyone had some wrong notion about the first prayer, it has been removed by this prayer. In the first prayer it was mentioned that he submitted that, O Lord, I have no friend. I fear my relations, my wife is barren and is old. If she will remain alone after my death, then there will be none to protect her. From this someone might have thought that to Hazrat Zakariah the children are important in view of obvious physical reasons and he had thought that if no one was my heir then after my death as though my wife will be left without any protection. Since Hazrat Zakariah was a man who loved Allah much and had limitless trust in him therefore to remove this wrong notion the Holy Quran mentioned another of his prayer in which he says that O Allah my wish is that I should not remain alone. After me, they must be my children. But it does not mean that if I had no children, then after me, my wife and whoever else remains will be airless. After each person, you are the real heir, and all his property, and all his honor, and all wealth, and all his responsibility returns to you. Here, Varis has two meanings and you should say this prayer keeping both these meanings in view. There is one heir 
who inherits one's possessions, and there is one heir who inherits one's responsibilities. And the true heir is he who discharges those responsibilities. So in the prayer, that you are the best of inheritors includes both these things. What it means is that, O Allah, whatever belongs to me is not mine and it belongs to no one else. After death we will leave this and whatever you have granted us will return to you and it is only you who will live on and everything will eventually belong to you alone. The other meaning is that the worldly heirs may discharge their responsibility or may not. But those who put their trust in you, their true heir is you alone, and you bear all their burden. And it is you alone who makes arrangement to clear their debts, and it is you alone who takes over all their responsibilities. So heir is in both these sense. So those who desire children should say this prayer with the meaning that we do have a desire but it does not mean that if we did not have children, we will be destroyed. It is only you who is our heir, and you will live forever. And whoever has you as friend, his name can never be His responsibilities are discharged even after him. So, if you do not grant us children, we are not displeased. We do not feel disgrace. It is our wish if you grant it, is better. Otherwise, you are the best inheritor. And in your presence, we have no right of any complaint. Then Allah said, So we accepted his prayer and granted him John as a gift. And cured his old barren wife. Here also it has made clear the philosophy of acceptance of prayer as to why some people's prayers are accepted more than the others. It says, These were the people who did not come to me only in time of need, but always as a result of my love they used to compete with each other in good works, they used to serve mankind. Whatever opportunity arose to do good, they did not miss it, but they used to come forward and take part in good works. And they always used me and used to pray to me in hope as well as in fear, at times in the hope of my pleasure and in its desire that Allah should be pleased with us, and at times they used to pray in this fear that we may not do anything which may displease God. So those who have this custom, it says, and they used to present themselves before us in humility. They used to show deep humility and modesty. 
So their prayers, which were accepted in out-of-the-ordinary situations, this is its background. Some people say that for Hazrat Zakaraya, Allah demonstrated such a miraculous sign. But when we pray, our old wife gives birth to no child. Our barren wife is not cured and our weakness is not removed. So for them is this advice that those who ask Allah for extraordinary things make extraordinary changes in them. They change their life for the sake of Allah and then do not present themselves to Allah only at the time of need but present themselves before God all their life. They remain pleased with His pleasure and remain pleased at His trials. And they always have this fear that because of some of our failing, Allah may not be displeased with us. We should not remain of His pleasure. The prayers of such people are accepted in an extraordinary way and miraculously. May Allah include us in such of His servants that we should ask much from Him and ask with deep supplications, but should ask with this resolve that if He will reject them, even then we will remain pleased with Him. I like so much this line of Hazrat Muslim Aud, which I have also mentioned before. The line is, that, O oh, Allah, we do desire your grace, but whether it is your grace or we face a trial, if the trial is sent by you and it is a trial to win your pleasure and not a trial to incur your displeasure. We are pleased with whatever has your pleasure. If you pray with this spirit, then you have gained everything. Only those people will be successful in the world who are pleased with every expression of the Master, who do not love the good things, but love the hand that grants them good. May Allah enable us to do so. Amin. Before ending the Arabic part of the sermon, Huzur said, we will say a funeral prayer. It is of a lady in Germany, Amtulas, the daughter-in-law of Chaudhry Ghulam Dastagir Sahib, Deputy Amir of Faisalabad, Pakistan. She was a very pious lady who had great love and sincerity for the Jamaat. And she had such passionate love for Ahmadiyya Caliphate that it was exemplary and one was amazed how much she loved and had firm faith and trust. Once before in Faisalabad she fell so ill that the dog lost hope. She said, I have firm faith that when the Caliph of the time will pray, I will recover. Allah accepted her sincerity and she recovered in an amazing way. As was her wish, she visited me in London and after returning to Pakistan, she visited Germany again. And now for the last few months her condition worsened and she suffered the cancer of the lungs. Even then her faith did not waver and there was no difference in trust. 
once they had abandoned all hope in hospital and I received a message from her and Allah enabled me to pray and she recovered and with the grace of Allah was released from hospital. But the decree had to fulfill and the death cannot be put off for good. You must remove this misconception that anyone can be exempted from this destiny. With prayer, Allah does postpone the time a little as a station of His love and affection. But eventually her time had to come. But the amazing thing is that she had very much desired that I should lead her funeral prayer. So as we were coming to Germany, my wife reminded me that see, Allah fulfilled her wish and she did not pass away until your program to come to Germany was finalized. Otherwise, there could only be a funeral in absentia and it could not have been in presence of her coffin. Allah developed similar sincerity in the hearts of all Ahmadis, the old, the young, men and women. And similarly, Allah may continue to cherish their sincerity and continue to show signs of his nearness. She has young children and you should especially pray for them. May Allah color them in the same way and help and protect them. He is the best of the inheritor. So the matter ends on the same prayer. Other heirs come and go whether they discharge their responsibilities or not. But if Allah becomes heir, of, then one has no grief and no fear. Besides this, there are two funerals in absentia. One is of Mrs. Amtur Rashid, wife of Chaudhry Muhammad Said Sahib Kaleem, and the other is of the sister of Dr. Rafiq Bukhari Sahib. You should include them in your prayer. So immediately after the Juma and Asr prayer, you should take your position in the same rows. I will go out and according to the practice of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, will lead the prayer with a few friends with the coffin in front. You will hear me and you will join us in the funeral prayer standing in the same position. Beside this, some friends of Germany had written to me and I don't remember now they are in UK and Allah knows best who they were but we will include them in our prayer in absentia. Allah knows who they were who had desired this. Allah may let all of them share in this prayer of forgiveness. Amen. Alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'khfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayh wa na'udhu billahi min shurooru anfusina tayyiyyati amalina man yahdihillahu falamudillalahu wa man yudhilhu Allah 